series of podcasts taking you behind the scenes of Crompton Nights at the Belgrade Theatre. Based on the Guardian Children's Fiction Prize winning novel, this inventive new production combines beatboxing, physical theatre, original music and more to bring the story to life on stage. It follows the adventures of the Magnificent Six, a group of inner-city teenagers who band together to help a friend in need. Following the sell-out success of Noughts and Crosses in 2019, the show is the second of four productions to emerge from a consortium set up by Pilot Theatre, the Belgrade Theatre, Derby Theatre, York Theatre Royal and the Mercury Theatre Colchester to create new theatre for young audiences. My name's Heather and this week I'm joined by Alex Wheatle, author of the acclaimed novel, as well as a whole series of books set on the fictional Crompton estate. Hello Alex. Hi. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. I got in off the, uh, the train station. It's a bit drizzly in Coventry this morning, but I got a bit lost, but once I found my way to um, the city centre, then it was pretty close, isn't it? Good, yeah, yeah. Is it your first time in Coventry then? Yes, I've whizzed by it many times on my way to Birmingham, visited many schools in the Birmingham area and also Leicester, but not so Coventry, so I'm looking forward to being out and about here. Cool, cool. And what's the plan for the day? Are you going to get to sit in on some of the rehearsals and stuff? Hopefully, I will see um, the young stars go through their paces. I'm hoping that Aisha will give me a tour of this (laughs) incredible theatre space. So I'm looking forward to that very much. And um, yeah, just getting the feel of it. And hopefully I get also to see the performing space where the, uh, the actors will end up. So I'm really looking forward to that. Cool. So can I just kind of start things off by asking you a little bit about Crompton Nights, how the story started, where your idea for this book kind of came from? I was a youth worker back in South London in Streatham. And doing that kind of work, you come across many young people with different problems at home or in school and other aspects of their lives. And South London is very diverse. It's a very diverse community. And I just wanted to uh, reflect a story that tells of their narratives and um, the issues that they have to contend with. And one of the issues that they have to contend with is this postcode rivalry that sprang up in South London, say, 15, 20 years or so ago, and it still maintains to this day. So that troubled me a great deal. Young people, um, for no reason, and being in the wrong postcode, end up in a very dangerous situation. And so um, that was on my mind when I wanted to create Cronctonites. And also, another phenomenon that seemed to happen in South London was the way young girls are coerced into uh, having sex and having that sex filmed on mobile cameras and tablets and what have you. So that's very concerning, especially as a youth worker. So I wanted to address that in some kind of way. So that was my bare skeleton, if you like. And I guess what drove me was I remember when I used to hold birthday parties for my children and their, their friends were from all over the world. They went to school in Battersea, not too far from Brixton. And um, it didn't occur to them in any way that one of their friends was wearing a hijab, one of their friends sometimes wearing a kilt. It, it just didn't occur to them. It, they were just friends. And that, that stuck with me over the years because I remember when I was at school and um, everyone kind of stuck to their racial backgrounds, like the West Indians are over here the white working class are over there. And so I want to construct a narrative where these group of friends, that they're supportive of each other. They don't care what God their parents might pray to. And um, it's really Conctonite's a story of friendship and bondship. Although bonded under threat, obviously, when they go on this quest, 
as a young kid, I used to love those King Arthur stories where um, heroes have to go off on a quest and find something like the, uh, the Holy Grail or something. <laughs> and so in my narrative, the Holy Grail is the phone. They have to get that phone back before the ex-boyfriend uploads inappropriate images to any social site or whatever. And so that is the quest. And so all these things mixed in and... It's really in um, real time as well, because the action happens over a one-day, two-day period. So I think that adds to the excitement and the tension as well. Will they get there? Will they get home? Yeah. You know, uh, and they go across dangerous territories. You know, so I'm introducing the postcode rivalry thing that I'm so aware of. And inspirations as well. Again, when I was a young kid, when I was 15, 16, 17, I used to sneak into cinemas. And um, the film Warriors... That was a big influence mm-hmm. on Cronkton Nights. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember it. I think it was released in 1979 right. or 1978. I remember watching that, sneaking into the cinema, because um, it was an 18 film, right. and I was, um, <laughs> I was a very 15-looking 15 15-year-old. Or <laughs> and so that was definitely one of the inspirations, the idea of a, a group of friends trying to get home through dangerous territory where um, they could come across any gang or whatever who might have it in for them. When I was talking to Corey and Esther earlier, we were talking about how there seems to be so little that's kind of dealing with this. And, you know, I've also spoken about I really love how it's this group of friends, like mostly when you think about YA fiction, you think about like romances for, for, young, for young teenage yeah. girls. And this is such a different thing to that. The female character is like really strong and independent. She's part of this friendship group and it's not just about a, a romance or anything like that. And I love that about it. So Yeah, it's about real live issues that young people have to face every day. And I don't think as writers we should shy away from these sorts of issues because it's real. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, young people have to face the idea that if they go into a different territory or town, they might well be attacked. So I have to address that. I can't shy away from it. And my experience as I read about my Crompton Night series up and down the country, the kids love it. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes they cannot believe that their lived lives, their experienced lives are being read back to them. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I believe it's become so popular. A lot of people have also talked about the language that you use in this book. Is that something that you've kind of created? Is that something you've drawn from kids that you've listened to? Yeah, more or less. I mean, half of it's created, half of it. I kind of delved into my um, hip-hop bag, my (laughs) reggae bag. I mean, as a kid, I I still love reggae today. And so some of those reference points. And I was a lyricist. I was an MC in my youth. And I was 15, 16, 17, so I used that kind of experience. And when you had to go to the dance on a Friday and Saturday night, if you was a member of the sound system, you had to always come with something fresh and innovative. And so that was my school, if you like, mm-hmm. of uh, trying to be creative and trying to be fresh. I had a whole experience once when I was in a South London school. I had written a book called The Dirty South. And I felt I had the up-to-date language on point. This is late 90s Brixton, early 2000s Brixton. And I felt that my uh, 30, mid-30-ish ear could still kind of uh, tune in to the language of the youth. But as a young girl reminded me in the front row, Alex, you didn't quite get it right. <laughs> and so this Do you know, is... I already feel like that. I've got a sister yeah. who's 18. I have no idea what she's exactly. talking about. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm in my 50s now. So... 
I can't, you know, I can't claim to be down with the kids. So I've got to be creative. I've got to um, think of different ways where uh, I can bring language to the piece and make it fresh and uh, inventive and creative. So that's what I do. And don't get me wrong, I still kind of pick up a few phrases here and there, especially during my youth work when I hear young people banter. And I'm sure it's the same in Coventry and everywhere else. When young people banter, they're so creative mm -hmm. with the terms they use and the, uh, the slang they use and so on. I find it very it's exciting to listen like to. It's one group to another, even yeah. within a community. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, when I was growing up, I used to live on Brixton Hill. And two miles down the road, further into Keddington, the slang terms in a language would be entirely different. That's why in the books, uh, somebody in North Krong might come up with a different term than those in uh, South Krong. And so I've used all those experiences to uh, introduce that to the piece. Do you keep up with the youth work or are you just focused on the writing? Now? I try to. When I have time, I still visit my old youth club. I still visit my colleagues and see how they're getting on. I mean, if I had the time, I'd still go on residentials. I used to love taking young people on residentials where they could um, try kayaking, mountain climbing, you know, go away for the weekend, that kind of thing. I used to love that and seeing how they react to a different environment. And then you could see them truly bond because there's not much use for phones there because they're all in activity. So they're not on their phones 24-7. They're actually acknowledging each other and talking to each other more. And that's another reason why um, I wanted my heroes in Cronkton Nights to go on a quest. So it's not all about they're on their phones all the time. They have to deal with immediate problems and the immediate environment. When did you first get approached about it being made into a play? And what was your kind of reaction at the time? Well, that was uh, Esfa. Yeah. Esfa, God bless Esfa. <laughs> she got in touch with me and Mallory Blackman. And this, is, this must have been, what, two, three years ago? We met in town in London. And I was absolutely delighted. I mean, to sit along with Mallory as well, you mm -hmm. know. I've known Mallory quite a while, but for Esra to bring us together and she said that uh, she really wanted to do Noughts and Crosses again. And, and this is just uh, shortly after Crompton Knights won the Guardian Fiction Children's Award. And which so, was amazing. Which was amazing. <laughs> and uh, I, I kind of made myself a bit of an idiot when they announced <laughs> it. I kind of, I think I hugged everybody close to me. or I, I just couldn't believe it. And so Esther said that she loved the work and I was, I was like, I walked home, you know, I didn't even take a bus. I just wanted to savour that moment. I just walked <laughs> home thinking, wow, this is going to be so good because I always imagine it being performed and to hear the language being performed would be a joy for me because I think it will, it will go to its rightful place on stage where people can hear the language rather than just read it. Great. Did you have a lot of discussions with MTAs when she was writing the script? How involved with that have you been? Um, I was always on hand to uh, answer any questions that she may have had, but I, I said to her, you know, make this your own, because I think it's much more interesting if uh, an, another writer has a different perspective on the piece, because they might bring ideas that I don't have or I haven't thought of. And so I kind of gave her a free reign when she said to me that she wanted to make Boys in the Hills a bush girl. Yeah, go for it. Why not? I think that's exciting. It's exciting new aspect. It adds a new dimension to the piece. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it today, by the way. <laughs> Have you had a chance to see any of the rehearsals or is this? Not yet. Only uh, okay. what's been posted on Twitter, which, is, <laughs> which, which has got me all excited. Conrad's all the rapping and dancing and it seems very physical. Uh-huh. Which is right, I think, for this piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you have you chatted much to Corey as well? You mentioned that you you know only briefly, right? Only briefly, but again, I feel as a uh, as a source of the material that I should just 
let the artists uh, get on with it rather than me interfering, you know. For me, it's an enjoyable process where I can see young people take my source idea and do what they will with it. I think it's an exciting process for me. So uh, for me, it's more about enjoyment of that process rather than me, oh, you didn't do this and you didn't do that. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy it. Cool. You said you, you don't necessarily know Coventry that well, but you've been to a lot of other places in the Midlands. Mm. Obviously, the, the story itself is based on experiences in London mainly, yeah. but do you feel like it's something that is kind of reflective of different cities across the Absolutely. Country? I travel widely. I've been to Newcastle, I've been to Glasgow, Edinburgh, the tip of the, um, the southwest in Devon, Cornwall, and I've uh, read from Crompton Knights and all the students that I've read to have been engaged with it. They're very much interested in the characters, in the story, the narrative. And I think young people can engage with it wherever they are because their inner demons, their inner struggles, their inner narratives, they're universal. It's not just, I don't think it'd be fair to describe it as just an urban story. These are stories of young people, uh, rites of life or rites of passage, if you like. It's that kind of story. They've been fooled through this process of uh, having to uh, stand up for themselves and each other. And I think, to a certain extent, all young people have to go through that rites of passage, mm. that I've sense said, of growing up. I've said this before as well, but I think it's so nice that, like, despite everything that they're going through, it's actually like a really optimistic, hopeful story about how nice these kids are to I each think so. other. And was that, like, really important? Absolutely. I think um, young people get demonised too much, especially in the press. And we forget, adults often forget, how young people are, despite everything, despite, in many cases, them having uh, lesser opportunities than maybe my generation had. I mean, you think about the educational grants and, and so on. To go to university now, you know, you've got to pay a lot more than it was in, say, when I was a youth. Mm. All these things they have to contend with. And yet young people are still pushing on, pushing through and doing the best they can. And sometimes through unfortunate circumstances, they can be caught up in terrible, dangerous circumstances. So um, and that's a reality for so many young people, not just in um, South London, but Coventry, Birmingham, wherever you want to go, wherever I've been in my travels. And I see that and I see the determination that many of these young people have to uh, try and do the right thing. Of course, now and again, they will make mistakes. They will make wrong choices. But that's life. I mean, even, you know, the, the people who govern us mm. when they were young, they made wrong choices, too. They made wrong turns and only through um, uh, lucky circumstances they get to rule over us. Mm. And yet you find so many uh, people at institutions looking down at young people. But I don't do that. I try to put their lives in context. I try to say, hey, this is what they have to deal with on a daily basis. So come on, lay off, let them grow, let them be who they need to be. I guess it's much harder as well now that everything's documented as well. So like a mistake that you made stays with yeah. you forever because it's on the internet. Absolutely. I mean, we have obviously social media and mm. so on. Oh my God, if there's social media in my day, I, I don't <laughs> think I could get out of my front door. I mean, I made so many mistakes and errors that were not filmed, were not captured in any place. Mm. Lovely. Thank you so much for your time. That was lovely. Thank you. Crompton Nights shows at the Belgrade Theatre until Saturday the 22nd of February, before touring the UK. Tickets are available to book now at www.belgrade.co.uk. We're at the party and we pose, everybody.